Hi, I'm Eric, the host of Layman and Lexicon, a show about amateur biblical translation. I'm neither a scholar nor a pastor, so take nothing I say as gospel. Instead, come with me as I explore these texts as a lay translator. For today's episode, I'm going to be discussing John 1, uh, 1 and 2. Uh, this verse here is probably the main reason why I am doing a biblical translation podcast to begin with, and it all starts back when I first started learning the Greek language. So a little bit about me. Uh, growing up, I had a love of Greek mythology, um, and when I did finally go to college, uh, though I never finished a degree, I did end up studying ancient Greek. Um, now, before I started studying Greek at the university I went to, I picked up a uh, Learn Biblical Greek uh, uh, textbook from a local bookstore, and I ended up not liking this textbook very much. It didn't really work. It wasn't organized in a way that I felt conductive to learning how to do translation. I think it would have been a good textbook for someone that really just wanted to get some basic understanding of doing biblical Greek, but it wasn't overall for me. That being said, is that it, the first thing it threw at me, of course, was John 1 1. And one of the things that stood out to me okay, so the text of John 1 1 in the King James Bible uh, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, so, one of the first things that textbook highlighted is that, well, the word that we're translating here is word logos, um, or logos, depending on what vowel pronunciations you want to use. My Greek teacher would have per, uh, pushed logos, but I feel like logos is a very popular pronunciation of that word. Uh, so I might interchange between logos and logos, uh, just because I'm not going to push the... Uh, I was trained to speak with a very short O Omicron, which is the O character in logos. Um, and, and so there isn't a long O there. So I'm going to primarily be saying logos, but because logos is a popular pronunciation of this word, I might I might flip back and forth between that. Though, for technicality, I should try to say logos because I'm going to get into uh, a verb that is lego. Uh, it has a longo in it out of, with the omega uh, letter. Um, so there's some differences there. They're technical. For the most part, I don't want to get bogged down in that level of technicality in this podcast. Well, maybe. We'll see. Um, I like technicality sometimes, <clears throat> but I didn't want to get this podcast bogged down with technicality. I've digressed. So, uh, the textbook that I was reading, the uh, New Testament, like it's something like Learn New Testament Greek, uh, it... Uh, starts you off by learning the basic uh, words in John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, let me see. I've got my Greek New Testament book just sitting over here. Let me just go ahead and op that, open that up so I can actually read the Greek. 
well, I'll leave that later. Uh, the first thing that this book highlights is that Logos almost never means word, and even though it's popularly translated as word or the word in the New Testament. And then the author of the book goes on to say, but in this context, it almost certainly means word. And my first thought was, well, does it? How do you know it almost certainly means word? And it, it bothered me enough that eventually after I studied Greek for probably about a year at my university, that I came back and translated it. You know, Logos means a lot of things. So for this episode, we're going to go into the meaning of the word Logos um, and, and just see where that takes us. Uh, it's been a really interesting bit of research. This is probably more research than I had intended to do for an episode, but I feel like because this is what really catapulted me into wanting to do biblical translation, um, I would you know, give it the time to do a bit more research than I might normally. Um, so let's go ahead and look at uh, the Greek here in uh, John 1.1. 1, 1. Um, so it starts out, En Arche, in the beginning, in Halagos was the word. Well, I'm not going to translate his word later. Uh, you'll see why as we get to it. Kai halagos in proston theon, kai theos in halagos. Now, I've worked long enough with this particular passage that I just know the Greek. So it's kai and halagos, the word in uh, was, pros. Uh, in this case, pros means with, tontheon, god, or the god. Um, so, ha and ton, those are both articles in Greek, uh, kind of like the or a uh in English, or uh, el or los in Spanish. Um, they don't translate the same way always in English as they do uh, you know, as you would see, like them used in Greek. Um, here we see, you know, kai halagos and the word. Uh, but then you say, and the word was with tontheon, the god. But in English, especially where monotheism is assumed, um, you would say, um, and the word was with God, not the word was with the God, because that just sounds weird. That's just an example of how. You don't always translate the article in Greek uh, as used in Greek uh, with the articles that we use in English. Um, so, why do I take issue with logos uh, meaning word? Well, as my book rightly pointed out, it almost never means word. Um, I took some time to look at the meaning of Lagos in the what's largely normally called the Large Liddell and Scott uh, lexicon. It's one of the most used, most um, 
authoritative lexicons of ancient Greek. Um, and I was directed uh, from Logos to, uh, so Logos of course is being used here as a noun, but I was uh, redirected over to Lego, uh, which is a verb which Logos is uh, derived from. Now Lego does mean to say or speak but it does have what appear to be older meanings, meaning to lay down or pick up and gather. From this, we get the concept of to count and reckon. Uh, eventually, we get the meaning to recount or to tell over and eventually to speak and say. Uh, returning to Logos, its first definition in the dictionary is uh, to um, a computation or a reckoning um, um, and accounting as in accounting of money. Um, now, I shouldn't mean to say that logos doesn't mean word. It very much does, and it very much comes to mean speech, story, or saying. Um, and you'll also probably recognize, though, the word logos as the source of the word logic or the ology uh, suffix in English. Um, this is where when I was studying uh, ancient Greek in school, we did learn a little bit about philosophy and the philosophical translation of uh, logos. Now, those are a broad range of meanings for the word logos but it very commonly just means the reason or the argument. Um, so for me in John 1, uh, I feel like the use of the word logos is used very abstractly. There isn't like a clear context saying the word has to mean word here, or it needs to mean reason or account. Now, I feel like account doesn't make sense in the uh, in the course of translation. In the beginning uh, was the account, and the account was with God, and God was the account. Um, that's weird. I, okay, I feel like we can eliminate that particular translation, but what I found myself wanting to translate it as is, in the beginning was reason, and reason was with God, and God was reason. That felt to me, well, at least a little bit more philosophical. Um, now, was the author of John trying to be philosophical in that way? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know enough about the author of John to know if he was trying to be philosophical. Now, I did a little bit of research on how uh, the Septuagint was translated. Um, let me bring up some of the uh, information I have here. Uh, so in the Septuagint, there is a Hebrew word. Uh, I'm going to slaughter this. It's uh, spelled Dalit, um, Vet, and Resh. Um, the, the, the Var. I can't pronounce Hebrew very well, and I've studied just enough Hebrew as self-study on my own to get in trouble with this. Um, when the Psalms were translated into Greek, uh, this word was very commonly translated as logos, 
Uh, and indeed, this word does mean word or talk. Uh, it can also mean things like act or action. Uh, so it's got like a broad range of meanings on its own uh, that make it hard to say precisely what it means without like direct context. Um, so in some cases, it's going to mean word, or sometimes it's going to say mean speech. Sometimes it's going to mean command, um, which would be actually an interesting translation. I don't think logos, I don't remember if logos has that meaning to command. I, there's a completely other Greek word that I know for command that I wouldn't want to read into logos here. Um, but... Uh, so we, uh, the Hebrew words, you know, used in the Septuagint that commonly get translated as logos, there should be some weight given to those um, in how we understand logos. Now, that being said, is John isn't clearly quoting the Septuagint here. And so I don't want to rely on that meaning. I just know that some early Christians that would be familiar with the Septuagint would have been familiar with uh, the use of Logos in that context. Now, I did do some research uh, on how some early Christians used and understood this particular text. Uh, there were a few. I, I mean, I looked at Ignatius and I looked at some others. I even looked at how uh, St. Jerome. So St. Jerome, I am have never been Catholic and or any part of any denomination that really venerates the saints. Um, St. Jerome is uh, was a scholar uh, in, I think, the 4th century CE uh, who translated uh, the um, both the Hebrew Bible and the uh, New Testament into into Latin, and it is still the primary source of uh, the Latin text of the uh, of the Bible. Um, so he takes this word and translates it as uh, verbum, which does mean word. I don't know Latin, so here's the problem: is I don't know Latin to know all of the all of the space that verbum can fill. I know much better the space that Logos can fill. Um, so, but he, you know, I did read a little bit of a Wikipedia article about this. The Wikipedia article seemed to indicate that uh, St. Jerome experienced some frustration in translating Logos into Latin, um, not finding a suitable uh, Latin word to have the scope of meaning that Logos did. Now, the problem is, is that despite my efforts in doing some research on this, I did not find online um, a commentary from Jerome on this problem. So I don't know precisely where um, the Wikipedia article was drawing on that concept of frustration. Now, it also may not have been talking about Jerome feeling frustrated. The text could have also been read to mean that there would have been this stumbling block in his translation, uh, not that he felt frustrated, but that his work would have been frustrated uh, by the lack of comparable words in uh, Greek and Latin. 
Um, so I don't know about uh, what to make of that. Uh, it was an interesting little bit to find. I If there's an account by Jerome of him like giving commentary on the translation of John 1-1, please feel free to send that over to me. My um, The email just for this podcast is laymanalexicon at gmail.com. I'll add that in the description. Uh, but it was a really interesting little bit tidbit that I saw in the Wikipedia article about the translation of Lagos uh, and uh, St. Jerome. Uh, I feel like I've digressed a bit. Um, I'm going to kind of gather my bearings and come back to the recording in just a second. Okay, so I needed uh, to look at uh, early Christian sources to see how they understood um, Logos in the Gospel of John. And I looked at a, a few, um, I mentioned Ignatius earlier, Irenaeus. Um, I didn't, I wasn't sure from the context they were using uh, it in to know for sure if they were reading it as the word or some other meaning of logos. Um, so I, I moved past those without really digging into how they understood it. I'm sure there has been probably some great scholarly work on how uh, these early Christian writers understood uh, the word logos, but the one that really kind of hit home was uh, the first apology of Justin Martyr. So Justin Martyr is uh, an interesting person. He's someone that had spent a from what I understand of his biography, he spent a lot of time studying philosophy before becoming a Christian. Um, and he is trying to defend the Christians against charges of uh, atheism here. Um, now, Christians were one of the main reasons why Christians were thought of being atheists is because they refused to worship the popular gods you know, Jupiter or Apollo um, and so forth. Uh, they, you know, the refusal to worship the, the common gods were seen as them being atheistic, unpious and so forth. Um, and this is something the Romans took very seriously. They believed it was very important to honor the gods to basically keep the stability of the empire that you know they would lose the the favor of the gods if they were not properly worshiping them uh so so it was very critical for uh these early christians to show that they were not indeed atheists um now the way justin martyr goes about doing this as i thought was a bit entertaining uh he ends up calling out the uh, pagan gods of the Roman Empire. Uh, uh, he he says, "Ah, these are actually uh, these are actually demons." Now he calls them daimons. Uh, I don't know if he's using the modern concept of a demon as being uh, specifically evil. Uh, he daimon in Greek means something like just some sort of like spiritual being uh, that has you know. It's, you know, quite the sort of quasi-divine idea. Um, the the uh, 
I know that you know Christians eventually begin pushing the idea of demons being these evil beings. In fact, uh, the uh, demons in the part that I'm pulling from on Just a Martyr, um, he does in fact use the phrase evil demons. Um, but yeah, he ends up calling them demons uh, and and no matter how his audience understood it, uh, calling uh, the, you know, Jupiter and so forth, saying uh, uh, daimons rather than theoi, that is going to not win you any friends when you're trying to defend yourself against a charge of atheism. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit here from uh, the first apology of Justin Martyr, uh, chapter five. Now, this is something that you could easily look at yourself. Um, chapter five is really short. It's like a few paragraphs long. And now I should confess here, I was not able to find in my bit of online research, I was not able to find a resource text for this uh, work. But I was able to find a text. I was able to also listen to this on LibriVox.org. And uh, LibriVox.org, by the way, I'm just going to digress just for a second. I want to endorse LibriVox because they are an excellent source of just audiobooks made from uh, public domain sources. Uh, if you need to listen to a public domain source, uh, try LibriVox. They are good. They're free. Um, and while it's done by a lot of volunteer work, the audio quality is generally pretty good. Um, I would say it's certainly usually better than the audio quality in this podcast since I'm just using my webcam mic to do this. Uh, but that being said, back to the uh, first apology of Justin Martyr. So Justin here in chapter five talks about how Greek and Roman society is being corrupted by their worship of their worship of uh, the, the the gods. Uh, he calls them demons. Uh, he then says, And when Socrates endeavored by true reason and examination to bring these things to light and deliver men from demons, and the demons themselves by means of men who rejoiced in iniquity, in iniquity uh, compassed his death uh, as an atheist, and profane and a profane person on the charge that he was introducing new divinities and in our case they display a similar activity for not only among the greeks did reason logos prevail to condemn these things uh, through socrates but also among the barbarians were they uh, condemned by reason or the word the logos himself who took shape by uh, who took shape and became man, and was called Jesus Christ. Um, so here we see logos, uh, which becomes you know reason or the word who becomes Jesus Christ. Um, we see this directly compared to the reasoning faculties of Socrates. So to me, I feel like. This shows that at least uh, Justin understood Logos in the book of John to be the sort of divine abstraction of reason. 
uh, Logos as being an anthropomorphic entity. I almost see this as being, I okay, so I've read some Plato. I've read precisely three uh, uh, works of Plato. Um, and I know from Plato that he has this concept of these sort of like the, like the forms, like the, you know, ideal form of beauty or the, I don't know if he has an ideal form of, of reason. Uh, this kind of feels like it's touching on the concept of a platonic form of reason. Um, but it, it seems very clear that, uh, Justin Martyr, uh, understood uh, Logos in the Gospel of John uh, to be uh, this sort of divine reason um, or personification of reason. And this seems really similar to me of the personification of, of wisdom in the uh, Hebrew Bible. Uh, you see that in some of the Psalms where uh, wisdom is with God. Um, though wisdom being with god in in the psalms is not the same as the self-identification with reason that we see in uh john 1 1. that being said as i specified in my the trailer to the show i uh, am not a christian uh, the concept of the trinity is not something that's intuitive to me um I don't know here. So like, it's very clear that the word or logos is becoming flesh in the opening sequences here in John. I don't know if that means that God, the father is becoming flesh. Um, I don't, I, I don't know that it, it feels like we have got uh, logos and God being with God and being God. Um, it's a little bit interesting. I, I don't claim to understand the full theology there, but what it does seem to be saying here to me is that, um, there's something inherently rational, uh, to what God is. Uh, and that seems to be what I can read from this text, at least the way Justin Martyr seemed to understand this text. Oh, that also reminds me the the Greek text. And this is kind of a digression. I think I want to say that logos is. I don't want to say. Here's what I don't want to say. I don't want to say that logos in this verse specifically means reason. I think that's. I think that's wrong. Um, I think it's a good translation of it, but I feel like the translation of logos as reason is ultimately going to be inadequate uh, because uh, Logos had so many meanings and Logos is being used so abstractly in John 1 that we don't have the context clues to specifically say, okay, this is just rationality. Um, the abstract uh, concept of logos in Greek philosophy certainly meant more than just rationality, though it is certainly part of it. Um, but I, I, I do want to say that rationality is probably a good translation, but 
you also express rationality through words. You also utter commands through words. And so the word of God, you know, the divine word, is still not a bad translation, but it also lacks, I think, the actual meaning of logos. And I think if I learned anything from doing this translation is that there is a lot lost in translation. Um, yes, uh, you could say that Jesus is the word of God, or you could say that he is the, the reason that was with God in the beginning. Um, or you could say that God himself is reason and rationality. That's a really interesting meaning, I think, of the, of the meaning of Logos. Um, but these aren't the only meanings, and you're not going to get, I think, a fully correct meaning anytime you do a uh, translation, especially when you're getting such an abstract word as Logos is being used here. Um, something else I wanted to highlight was also just some of the interesting grammar that uh, John uses here. Um, so in a lot of versions of the New Testament, I am clearly using a King James Version, and it just says, uh, you know, in the beginning was, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and, uh, let's see, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Um, I know a lot of uh, English translations actually do translate that, and God was the word as well. He does like two translations for like a single Greek phrase. So again, uh, for that, and God was the word, it's kai theos ein halagos. So that is an interesting uh, phrase in Greek because it's not it it it, it creates a weird linguistic uh, uh, it creates a weird linguistic uh, setup here. So Greek has it does something that English doesn't really do. It has uh, a way of it's called declension in Greek. Um, it's kind of uh, people that speak English are more likely to know the concept of conjugation with verbs, where you change the ending of a verb and it changes, say, like the tense or certain things like aspect. Like, you know, you can say bake uh, to mean that something is being baked, or you can say baking to say that you're doing the sort of continual task of baking. Um, in Greek, you can do something similar with declension, where you can indicate that something is very specifically the subject of a sentence and an object of a sentence. And here we've got um, theos and logos. Now, theos and logos, you'll notice that they both have the same os ending. Um, that indicates that they have the same declension. They're both subjects. Um, and so when you say theos ein halagos, God was the word, um, it's a little weird because it's you can't actually collapse that into just God was the word because um, 
logos is just as much the subject of the verb was as theos. Um, and so you really do kind of force what I kind of think of as a sort of syllogism in the text where um, God was the word and the word was God um, are both equal, equally valid translations of that little bit of Greek. Um, and so that's why you would typically see that in a lot of common English translations is because there is that ambiguity in the Greek text where God was the word and the word was God. Um, word order in Greek doesn't so much matter as declension does. Um, and it's just a really interesting little tidbit. Um, but it's really interesting. And then, it, of course, you get to verse 2, hutos in en arche pros tantheon. This was in the beginning with God. So it's, it seems clear to me that Logos both is God but isn't identical with God. That probably is some sort of a proto-concept of the Trinity. I'm not sure how early on the concept of the Trinity developed in Christianity. Um, but I can see here in this reading of John that this idea of the divinity of Jesus Christ or the divinity of the word is clearly uh, developed here. John's Christology is a very high Christology, uh, elevating Jesus clearly to the level of God. Um, now, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Again, if you have any questions about this translation, uh, feel free to reach out to Lehman and Lexicon layman and lexicon at gmail.com um, and i'd be happy to review questions of course you can respond to me uh this this podcast is being produced via anchor.fm uh that podcasting service allows you to also leave me voice messages um which i can listen to if you prefer to communicate with me that way um but again, I hope you enjoyed this investigation of uh, John 1, 1 and 2. Uh, but thank you again for listening to this show and have a good rest of your uh, day. Oh, and also, Happy New Year. I'm recording this on New Year's Eve, so have a Happy New Year. Bye.